We are in Genesis chapter 9, and I'm going to review just a little bit from Genesis chapter 9, verses 1 through 7, which we read last time. And there's a reason why I'm doing this. The reason I'm doing this is not so much to remind you what I said last time. It's because I forgot to record it. So there's this gap in the podcasts of, of Genesis. So, so Genesis chapter 9 In verse 1 it says, And God blessed Noah and his sons and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. And the fear of you and the terror of you will be on every beast of the earth and on every bird of the sky and everything that creeps on the ground and all the fish of the sea. Into your hands they are given. Every moving thing that is alive shall be food for you. And I shall give all to you as I have given the green plant. Only you shall not... Eat flesh with its life, that is its blood. Surely I will require your life blood from every beast, I will require, require it. And from every man and from every man's brother, I will require the life of the man. Whoever sheds man's blood, by man his blood shall be shed. For in the image of God he made man. And for you, and as for you, be fruitful and multiply, populate the earth abundantly and multiply in it. And as we discussed last time, he does not say and subdue it as he had told Adam and Eve. Because they now, now the, the, the kingdom of the world has been given over to Satan. Three references to that, where Satan now has usurped that from man. But what we see here is that before the animals were docile, they could go on a boat with, with humans for, for a year and the lions weren't biting off the hands that were feeding them. They were very different. Now the fear of man is upon them because they become food for man. And so, so things have, have now changed. And then we talked about how he established human government. So this was the first establishment of human government where there is a penalty for shedding a man's blood, where the community was to get together and discipline based on that, and it was all penalty. There was nothing to reform a human being. It was purely to punish the guilty. So let's start reading now in verse 8, and we'll pick it up from there. Genesis chapter 9, verse 8. Then God spoke to Noah and to his sons, saying, Now behold, I myself do establish the covenant with you and with your descendants after you, and with every living creature that is with you, the birds, the cattle, and every beast of the earth with you, of all that comes out of the ark, even every beast of the earth. I establish my covenant with you, and all flesh shall never again be cut off by the water of the flood. Neither shall there again be a flood to destroy the earth. And God said, this is the sign of the covenant which I will make between me and you and between every living creature that is with you for all successive generations." I set my bow in the cloud, and it shall be for a sign of a covenant between me and the earth. It shall come about when I bring a cloud over the earth, that the bow will be seen in the cloud, and I will remember my covenant, which is between me and you, and every living creature of all all flesh. And never again shall the water become as a flood to destroy all flesh. When the bow is in the cloud, then I will look upon it, to remember the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature of all flesh that is on the earth. And God said to Noah, This is the sign of the covenant which I have established between me and all flesh that is on the earth. 
So, in that portion, God is establishing now a new covenant. A covenant that was not there before. But I want to start right at the beginning. It says, then God spoke to Noah and to his sons with him. And I'm going to circle back to that verse because I've just spent the whole week meditating particularly on that verse. And we'll circle back to that in just a moment. But Noah was a super righteous guy. If you look over in, in Genesis, Genesis chapter, chapter 6, it talks a little bit about Noah. It says in Genesis chapter 6 verse 9, Noah was a righteous man, blameless in his time. Noah walked with God. Noah was a righteous man. He was blameless in his time and he walked with God. You know, the Bible doesn't, doesn't mince words. And, and the Bible for a reason is saying something like this. Moses, I'm sorry, Noah was a, a super righteous guy. And there's a couple of verses that I want to look at also. In, in, uh, in Ezekiel, Ezekiel chapter, uh, 14, starting at verse 14. Well, we'll, we'll We'll start up at verse 12 of Ezekiel chapter 14. Again, he's going to talk about Noah. He mentions three people. Noah's one of the three. He says in verse 12, Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying in Ezekiel 14, now verse 13, Son of man, if a country sins against me by committing unfaithfulness, and I stretch out my hand against it to destroy its supply of bread, and send famine against it, and cut off from it both man and beast, even though these three men, Noah, Daniel, and Job, were in its midst, by their own righteousness, they could only deliver themselves, declares the Lord. So he focuses upon three people. He says, there's three really righteous guys, but even then they would only save themselves by their own righteousness. He doesn't mean save them salvation, save them, but save them from the attack that's going to come upon, uh, upon this city. So, so uh, um, he puts Noah in that group. And in that same chapter of Ezekiel 14, verse 20, even though Noah, Daniel, and Job were in its midst, as I live, declares the Lord, they could not deliver either their son or their daughter. They would deliver only themselves by their righteousness. So Noah was really a good guy. But he wasn't going to deliver his sons by his own righteousness. He was an amazing guy. The, the, the same person is spoken about, he, it's spoken about him in, in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 7, that he had faith and his faith was enormous faith. And then in, in, in uh, uh, 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 5, it says, Noah was a preacher of righteousness. So Noah's a good guy, really good guy. And when he talks about this in Genesis chapter 9, when it talks about Noah, it, it, it starts speaking about his life. And then it says that God says in verse 10, in verse 10, he says, and with every, in, in verse 9, I myself do establish my covenant with you and with your descendants after you. I myself do establish my covenant with you and with your descendants after you. Why does he say I myself? Why doesn't he just say I establish a covenant with you? God stresses again, I myself I am doing this. This is a covenant. I myself am doing this. I'm not sending you an angel to proclaim this. I'm not sending some prophet to tell you this. I myself am telling you this. These people have been through something quite traumatic. For a year, they were on a boat with a bunch of animals tossing to and fro on this boat directionless. Remember, there was no rudder on this boat. It just, just floated. And it had this keel that, and it just, just this, this, this heavy structure just sitting on the water like this. They had seen everyone around them die. Now, 
Again, this doesn't hit us hard enough. You know, there's a lot of fires going on in both in Southern and Northern California right now. If you had seen your whole neighborhood and your home get totally destroyed and you're driving, as people are describing, with embers and flames shooting around you from both sides of the road and you just get out of there. By the skin of your teeth, you get out of there. And then God were to come to you and to say, never again, never again will I allow your home to burn. Never again would your community burn. That would mean something to you more than it means to us here in Houston right now. And so, so this whole idea of, of uh, uh, God coming to them after they'd been through this trauma and saying, it's never going to happen again. Remember, they had never seen rain before the flood. It had never rained. It said a mist used to fly, rise up in the mornings and water the earth. The mist, used, the mist, the mist used to rise up. But here, this was the first rain they ever saw. Can you imagine when it starts raining again? They're going to be like, oh... We've got to get to the boat. You know, that's their only experience with rain. God comforts them. Never again will it happen. Never again will you go through this. He says, I myself am establishing a covenant with you. He says, I'm going to set a bow. Now this word bow is just like in English. We have this bow, this rainbow in the sky. We use the word B-O-W. Now, if, if, if I'm going to go hunting... I get a bow and arrow. The same word, bow. If you're gonna, if you're gonna be in war, you're gonna use a bow. Same word. It's the same in Hebrew. The same word that's used for bow and arrow, like in a war, is the same word that's used for this bow in the sky, this rainbow. Same word. It's as if God has taken his bow and hung it up and said, no more am I gonna take this down. The bow is not pointing down, it's pointing up. He says, this is going to be, he says, when I see it in verse, in, in, in verse 13, he says, I set my bow in the cloud and it shall be a sign of a covenant between me and the earth. It's a sign of a covenant. He didn't always give signs of covenant. He gave, there was a covenant with Adam. There was no sign given with the covenant. He made a covenant in Edom. There was the, 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 the uh, covenant in, 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 in the Garden of Eden. He never, he never gave a sign with it. This is the first covenant that he's given with a sign. He does end up giving a covenant later on in, in, to Abraham. And the covenant comes with a sign and the sign is circumcision. And that meant something to Abraham. God made a promise to Abraham. And so every time he saw himself after that, there was the remembrance. Every time Sarah saw her sons, her children growing up, her boys, she remembered the covenant. There was the sign to, to, uh, to Moses. There was a sign of the covenant with Moses. The sign was the Sabbath day. The sign was the Sabbath day. When they had that Sabbath rest. And you go to Jerusalem. To this day, you go to Jerusalem. Everything stops. Everybody's out of work on Friday by noon. Except some of the, some of the food stores that will stay open till about 5 p.m. Just before sundown. Because people will be coming. And then everything stops. The, the people, people stop driving, people stop, and everybody's in their homes, and you can just look, look through these apartment buildings, and, and there's families in there, and you can hear them, they're gathering together. Everything stops. That is a sign for the people of God's protection on them. The sign, the covenant that He had made with Moses. There's the sign for the covenant of circumcision with Abraham. This is the first covenant with a sign. And God says, 
It's not so that so much that the people remember. It's God says in verse 15, and I will remember my covenant, which is between me and you. So every time God sees the rainbow, you say, well, you don't always see a rainbow. Well, from God's perspective, he sees it because he's a, he's a above. You know, when you're, you're, when you're in airplanes, a lot of times you see above the rainbow and other people that below aren't seeing it. God remembers. God says, I will remember in verse 15. Verse 16, when the bow is in the cloud, then I will look upon it to remember the everlasting covenant between God and the living creatures of all flesh. And remember, this word remember doesn't mean like, oh my goodness, I left the rain on. They're going to flood. I better, better shut the thing off before everybody dies. No, it's not that type of remember. It's that I will act Upon it, I will act upon this. I will remember. I will remember my people. And he says, I'm making this covenant with Noah and with all the animals, it says. This is with, 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 in verse 10, and with every living creature that is with you, the birds, the cattle, every beast of the earth with you, and all that comes out of the ark, even every beast of the earth. You see, God did not enjoy destroying all that life. That was something that had to be done because of the disobedience that came in and because of the demonic influence that came into the human race. But now, God is saying, never again is that going to happen. He says, this is the sign of the covenant in verse 17 that He's establishing with the earth. Now I want to circle back to this one verse 8. God speaks through the Scriptures. God speaks through the Scriptures. This is something that I learned very early on in my Christian experience from men that discipled me. They used to say, Jim, you get your Bible, you get alone on your knees, and you say, Lord, speak to me. Speak to me through this passage today. Speak to me. And to this day, this is what I do. I say, Lord, speak to me. And Sometimes I'm facing things that day and it's like God opens up and gives me wisdom for that day through the portion that I'm reading. Or He gives me insight into a verse that I've never seen before. God speaks to us primarily through the Scriptures. Now, yes, the Holy Spirit can speak to us all the time. But remember, our minds are fickle and they can do all sorts of things to us. So sometimes I'm driving and I'm I'm saying, Lord, please open up a parking space. And I think I hear a voice that you make the turn and there'll be a parking space for you. And... Sometimes I make the turn, there's not a parking space there. So that's my own mind speaking to me. You know, and, and I could say, oh, the Holy Spirit's speaking to me, but you, we have to be careful about that. And keep that to yourself. If you say, the Holy Spirit told me such and such about your life, you want to be careful about that because you might be wrong. All right? Unless that person is very dear to you and you don't say, the Holy Spirit told me such and such about your life, you might want to put it in a context like this. Have you ever considered... You see, that's a, that's a lot more forgiving than the Holy Spirit told me what you should do with your life. And it's like, you know, if they don't obey, it's like you're disobeying God. And you don't know for sure. Maybe you heard wrong because our minds speak to us all the time. We have these great minds of imagination. You can hear all sorts of things. You know, I've, I've been in Bible studies and the guy told me, yeah, I saw this girl in the office and I was praying about it. And God told me, go for it. Like, I don't know. It doesn't, I don't have a good spiritual context for that. It's hard for me to agree with you in that. And, and, uh, but God speaks often through the Scriptures. And so as I'm reading in verse 8, it says, Then God spoke to Noah 
and to his sons with him. God spoke to Noah and to his sons with him. This hit me. That God would speak to Noah. I understand this. Noah was a super righteous guy. Noah just spent a hundred years building the ark. And a year inside the ark with all these stinky animals. All in obedience to God. Noah's a good guy. But to his sons with him. This means something. Remember what I told you. If you're nice to a man, that's good. But if you're good to his children, he will never forget you. If somebody is good to your children, you'll never forget that person. You want to be my friend? Be good to my children. And I'll like you. I will. It's the same with God and his son. You love his son. You bless his son. You serve his son. God the Father will like you a lot. God takes Noah and he says, I'm going to speak to you now, Noah. And I want your sons to hear too. I'm going to fill them in on my covenant. I'm going to bless your sons. He said in chapter 9, verse 1, God blessed Noah and his sons and said to them. So he blesses Noah's sons and he speaks to them. And again in verse, in verse 8, he's speaking to Noah's sons. My greatest desire is to hear God. I love to learn from the scriptures where God opens it up to me. And I start reading in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. And I read through to Revelation through chapter 22. And when I'm done, I start again. And I've been doing this for 40 years. And I say, Lord, speak to me right where I'm at in the scriptures. Speak to me. And when some verse comes alive and I couldn't get past this verse, to his sons, I want so much for my sons my children to hear the voice of God. You know, when I was meditating on that this week, I, I, I always, every morning I send a, a text to my, my every morning I, I, I send a, a text to my children. And uh, uh, I send an indi- individual prayer to each one of my children. And uh, I text it to them. And, and, and to Shireen. On this particular day, in addition to that, I quoted this verse to them, and so this is to, to Shireen and my four children. Then God spoke to Noah and to his sons with him, saying, Genesis 9, 8. And I wrote, I was meditating today in the life of Noah when God spoke to him and to his sons that God would allow his sons to hear the holy speech of the holy covenant. May God visit my children to be able to hear his voice through the holy scriptures. If you would but hear his voice, So glorious that would be. To be good to a man is a wonderful thing, but to incorporate his children in the goodness and the blessing is far greater. And to hear the voice of God in kindness is greater than any earthly blessing that could come upon man. Then God spoke to Noah and to his sons with him, saying, Please meditate daily on the word of God. If you do, your life will be greatly enriched. If you don't, it won't. Am I explicit enough with my children? I want them to have an enriched life. That doesn't mean free of any sort of trouble. I just want them to have an enriched life. This comes through hearing God's voice through the Scriptures. When God does this, Lord, you are so good to speak to Noah 
and to his sons. Remember, he only had three children, and those were Shem, Ham, and Japheth. And God incorporated his sons into what he was telling this righteous man, Noah. One day you will have children and you will see that you will die for your child a hundred times if you could. You do anything for that child. The best thing that I could display to you is to love the word of God. I pray that you would love the Word of God so much you want to hear God speak to you so that what these men taught me to get alone with the Word of God and say, Lord, speak to me. Speak to me through the Scriptures. If you could catch hold of this, you don't need me. You can just go and graduate. You don't need me. God Himself will instruct you if you but learn to open the Word of God. Because God is a speaking God. He speaks to us. He speaks to us through the pages of Scripture. It comes alive. And I'm praying, Lord, speak to my children. Let them learn to take the Word of God and speak to them through the Word of God. It will encourage you when you are weak. It will lift you up when you are down. When you commit portions of it to memory, He just lifts you up. When I was a student, an undergraduate student... I took that verse from from Isaiah chapter 41, verse 10, that do not fear, for I am with you. Because I used to get so anxious about my work and what God would continue. Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not anxiously look about you, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Surely I will help you. Surely I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Isaiah 41, 10. And I would just say this and... Just this amazing peace of God would come over me. Don't you see the words of God? When God speaks a word, it has to happen. These are different than man's words. People say things, they say this, they say that, they speak curses, they speak like... It doesn't mean anything compared to when God does it. When God Himself speaks. That's why God says, Now, God spoke to Noah... And to his son saying, Now behold, I myself to establish the covenant. I myself to establish my covenant. Why did God speak it? God didn't have to speak it. He just think it. Done. It's going to be a rainbow. Why did he have to speak it? Because remember, when God speaks, heaven and earth, nothing can stop it from happening. Nothing can stop it from happening. It has to happen. God's Word will encourage you, will pick you up. It is God's Word. It is His Scriptures. If you will learn to take the Word of God and to say, Lord, speak to me through the passage that I am reading today. Speak to me and bring life. You get up out of this time where God has spoken to you from a verse. You're like, well, I have to memorize that verse. That was really good. And it it will encourage you through the day. And then if you commit it to memory... Then you're going through certain instances and then all of a sudden you bring this word back and you start bringing it back into your remembrance. Like, Lord, your word. You said that I should not fear that you would be with me. That I'm not to anxiously look about me because I'm your God. I will strengthen you. Lord, I have no strength today. According to your word, strengthen me. 
I will strengthen you. Surely, I will help you. I'm here. Help me. Surely, I will uphold you in my righteous right hand. And I would just envision God's hand just lifting me up. And I would come out of those times of having spent the morning in the Word of God, and I'm like a roaring lion. I mean, nobody's going to stand in my way. God just lifts me up. This little verse, did you just glance over? God spoke to Noah and to his sons. He said, Lord, thank you that you spoke to his sons. Now do that in my children's lives. Speak to them. Lord, I want so much for my children to learn how to hear the word of God. That's what I want for you. Will you learn to say, Lord, speak to me. Speak to me. This is life. What I'm sharing with you is life. This is what God's word is. It speaks to us. And God loves you. He cares for you. And he gave himself for you. I want to close with this one verse in, uh, in first, in, 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 I'm sorry, in second Corinthians chapter one. Second Corinthians chapter one. And we're going to read it out of the, the new international version because, because, uh, uh, in the NIV, he just encompasses this so well. And so this is the end of verse 21. The end of verse 21 of 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 21. The end of verse 21 and all of verse 22. Listen to this promise. He anointed us, set the seal of His ownership on us, and put His Spirit in our hearts as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. I saw that yesterday and I was like, wow, this is what happens when you learn to love the word of God. A verse will just stop you in your tracks. And you say, this is just too good. I just have to, I just have to think about this a while. He says, now it says he has anointed us. You know what the anointing was? They put an anointing for a specific purpose. So the prophet comes and he anoints, he anoints, he, 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 he uh, anoints Jehu. I mean, and then Je- Jehu goes out and, he, you know, he's ready. He just goes and kills Jezebel. I mean, he does what he has to do. I mean, he was just anointed. When the anointing came upon a man, he says, he's anointed you. That means he's setting you apart for a purpose. Now, it, 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 he has anointed us. He set his seal of ownership on us. Imagine that. God comes And he puts upon us a seal that says, I own this person. Devil, he's not yours anymore. She doesn't belong to you anymore. She's mine. She is mine. He is mine. I own him now. Oh, I want to be owned by God. I don't want to be owned by the devil. The Bible says that, that uh, either that, that without God you are a slave to the devil. You may not think so, but you are. It says he sets his seal. I mean, there's a seal there of ownership. You belong to me. And he puts his spirit in our hearts. I mean, he doesn't have to. It's not like he owes us anything. Just because say, yes, Lord, I believe you've risen from the dead. Something that's true, 
anyway, whether I believe it or not, it's true. That I confess Jesus is Lord and, he's, and I believe that he's risen from the dead and now I'm saved. It's not like he owes me something for this. I'm just confessing the obvious. But he says, because of that, I'm going to take the Holy Spirit of God, the third member of the Trinity, and I'm going to place him in your heart as a deposit. What's a deposit? You want to buy a house, the house is $300,000, you put down a $10,000 deposit. A deposit, you just put a little bit to guarantee what's coming. But once there's that deposit, they can't take it away from you. You put the deposit down. God gives us this portion, this Holy Spirit that He fills in our life. He says, that's just a portion of the Spirit that's going to end up on you. That's just a portion of my goodness that's going to come upon you. He says, He puts the Spirit in our hearts as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. Anytime you have a deposit, it's guaranteeing something. It's a guarantee of something. He says, this is just the deposit to guarantee that I'm going to come and fill you. That you're mine, you're my child, and I'm going to take care of you. You're mine. You're mine. This is the beauty of what we have in Christ. If you don't know him this day, I encourage you, open your heart to him. Say, Lord, come into my heart. I want that. I want that anointing. I want that stamp of ownership where you own my life. And I want that deposit of the Holy Spirit to tell me what's to come. Oh, that you would learn to take the word of God and hear God through it. I pray that you would do that if you don't remember anything else from my teachings. Just remember this. You get alone in the morning with the Word of God and say, Lord, speak to me. Speak to me through this passage. If you do that, I know that you will have an enriched life. No matter what suffering you go through, and everybody goes through sufferings. No matter what pain you go through, and everybody goes through pain. No matter what comes your way, I know you will have an enriched life if you learn to hear the Word of God. Let's pray. Abba, Father, I thank you so much for your Word. And Father, I pray for these young people that they would learn to hear your voice through the scriptures and that they would learn to ask you to speak to them. For it says in James chapter 4, you don't receive because you don't ask. Father, I pray that they'd learn to ask. Father, speak to me through this portion that I will read today. Father, speak to me. That they would learn to ask of you and that, Lord, in your faithfulness, Speak to them through that passage that even a verse would just stop them, stop their eyes right on a verse and then speak to them through that passage. Speak to them, Lord. 
Father, that they would realize that you have anointed them. You've set your seal of ownership on them. You've given them the Holy Spirit as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. Lord, speak to their hearts, I pray. And Father, for those here who don't know you, I pray, Lord, this day they would cry out, Lord, forgive me because I am a sinner and come into my life. Teach me how to hear the word of God. Forgive me for my sins. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. Father, your mercy be upon them. Bring people to salvation this day, I pray. In the name of Jesus, amen.